two, one. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tales from the Cryptocurrency, where I attempt to demystify cryptocurrency and take the horror out of Bitcoin and other altcoins. We are still in the current bear market with uh, Bitcoin standing firm at around $29,529 and Ethereum currently uh, selling for about $1,951. Uh, Bitcoin is currently up 4% from uh, its huge drop of 36 6.2% this year. Um, and Ethereum is still currently down 0.6% uh, from its drop of 47% this year. Uh, the fear and greed index, if that is something you follow, which I know I do, is currently uh, rating at 12, which is extreme fear. This uh, would be signifying that this is the dip and uh, that it's currently time to buy the dip. Um, but uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about today uh, from a crypto investor like point of view, um, how to prepare uh, for the upcoming bear market that's coming. So uh, me and everybody else in the whole world, I'm sure, is talking about the fact that we're officially in a bear market and there's questions on your mind, uh, such as how long will it last? What should you be buying and where the heck is the reset button to all of this? Well, during these times, um, I like to do one thing and uh, and that's see what the smartest people in the world are doing. And uh, based on that, um, I'm going to bring you a little bit of information today uh, that might be contrary to to what you're currently thinking. For example, uh, one of the things that I want to cover today is uh, even though you know, you hear me say, buy the dip, buy the dip, buy the dip. And by the way, again, none of this is financial advice. Don't listen to me. I'm a moron. If you listen to anything that I say and uh, risk your money uh, based on, on, on what I'm doing, um, you know, then uh, then you are off to a, to a bad start. Uh, number one, I have no financial training whatsoever. And uh, I'm just going on like what my gut instinct is. So uh, with that being said, and full disclaimer uh, being done. Um, I know that I always talk about buying the dip, buying the dip, buying the dip. Of course, that's a great strategy. Of course, you want to buy low and you want to sell when stocks are, well, you know, when uh, cryptocurrencies and stocks are high. Uh, but uh, don't rush out to buy the dip. Uh, that's that's what I would really want to, to stress during this time. There's no need to rush uh, to buy the dip. You want to keep an eye on it. And and I know everybody wants to be the, the, the person that says, oh, I bought the dip when, when it was at its lowest. But the reality is, is that we don't know how long uh, the dip could go. And, and you don't want to, to, to spend all of your money investing in something that's only going to go lower, you know, right now. So uh, patience is the game. This is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Uh, so don't, don't rush and, and drop big sums of money buying dip or, or anything of the sort. What, what you want to do is you want to get in slowly. A little bits at a time. Uh, look at the projects that you're that you're that you're currently wanting to invest in. Are they viable projects? Do they have a future? Are people exiting because the end is near? 
or are they just caught in the current market dip? That's what you what you want to to look at. You know uh, what sustains uh, crypto markets? People, uh, especially this week, I've had a couple of conversations that people are like, you know, where does the money in the crypto market come from? It doesn't come from anywhere. You just make the money out of nothing, and and that's really not true. What sustains the crypto market is is building cool and useful stuff that that can be used, financial products that can be used. the The crypto market cycle is basically a function of building, and then there there hits a cycle of frustration with the market not reacting to the building, and then there is financial innovation that triggers growth. Uh, so this holds true in every single one of the previous cycles that we've gone into. For example, in the previous uh, cycle that we just went through uh, pro- projects like MakerDAO and Uniswap launched in early 2018 when we were seeing an enormous dip. And uh, we wouldn't have DeFi without of like all without these projects. And and we wouldn't have heard of like, you know, liquidity mining, which didn't happen until like, you know, the mid 2020, uh, also known as the big financial innovation. So so it takes two years plus for the market to react to how, uh, you know, things are going and stuff like that. So you're going to want to be able to go at it for the long haul. uh, And then when it turns around, then you're going to want to reap the rewards of all of that. But there are some projects that I'm bullish on, by the way, uh, currently right now. Um, I think uh, Ethereum uh, is is something to be bullish on. Ethereum 2.0, the merge is coming. So I think that's going to basically open up easy mode, uh, probably to the highest degree uh, in crypto ever. So uh, miners are less likely to sell because they don't have to cover electricity costs, which is one of the largest forces in in dumping. Um, And also lower inflation rates combined with like the burn leads to to negative issuance. So it'll it'll actively take money going out of the ecosystem and bring the ether price down at a time as well. So, so this is going to be something that's, that's interesting. Um, DeFi, uh, uh, and all the DeFi markets are, are still some of the biggest use case scenarios for crypto currently. And most of like the growth in the ecosystem is reflected, um, you know, in DeFi TVL. So that's like one place to look for it right there. And, uh, and I guess if, if DeFi, as a category um, were to be deemed completely useless in the future it's it's difficult to imagine what blockchains would be useful for you know so uh, defy is definitely here to stay so I think uh, any kind of project that that is any kind of decentralized finance project uh, things like Lido and Ave uh, are examples of these these things are, are going to be things to look at you know, uh, in the future as well. So, so, uh, without any further ado, I promised, uh, last week when we were talking that I was going to cover smart contracts this week, what they are exactly and, and that kind of thing. Um, so that you guys can attack and, and go at smart contracts and doing your research, uh, with a little bit of, of, of IQ, uh, to the whole thing. So I, I would say that, that smart contracts, the best way to explain them, uh, 
Um, I guess I would want to start with like how smart contracts work in general. Uh, smart contracts are, are similar to traditional contracts that are used in the real world. Uh, we all engage in contracts all the time, whether it be a lease or a phone contract with your, with your provider, uh, cable company, etc. cetera. Uh, the difference uh, is though that a smart contract is entirely digital. So unlike the latter, which is a piece of paper that you sign. So um, we can find that a contract, uh, a smart contract, uh, I guess, can be defined as a computer program stored inside a blockchain and intended to enforce a contract's performance or negotiation digitally. So, um, in essence, they facilitate the execution of transactions without requiring mediation by third parties like banks brokers or or governments so how does it do this well a smart contract primarily uh, functions like a multi-signature account where funds are spent provided a certain percentage or majority of people agree to a set predetermined condition that means that smart contracts can be executed automatically once the condition's needs are fulfilled. Thus, smart contracts can help you exchange property, shares of a company, money, or anything that has value in a conflict-free and transparent manner um, while avoiding uh, any type of middleman's services or fees. So, uh, how do you do this? How, how do you make use of a, of a smart contract? Uh, I guess the first thing to, to do is that one would transfer an asset or a currency of some kind or something of value into a program using smart contracts. The program would execute this code and automatically validate that one or more conditions uh, have been fulfilled uh, to determine whether the support should be moved or returned to the original owner. In the meantime, the decentralized ledger records and copies the document, giving it immutability and security. Uh, I guess a good a good example of this is is let's consider uh, let's consider the example of Kickstarter, right? So so Kickstarter uh, product teams use Kickstarter to set funding goals for their project and collect money from people who believe in them, right? So here Kickstarter serves as a third party in between supporters and product and product teams. So in essence, what happens is um, both uh, whoever uses Kickstarter and the person that sends the money to Kickstarter, they both have to trust Kickstarter to handle their money honestly and correctly. So if the project achieves its funding goals, then Kickstarter is expected to receive, uh, you know, uh, is I'm sorry, uh, Kickstarter is, is expected to give the team uh, their cash. On the contrary, supporters expect a refund if the project does not achieve its goals. So when you use Kickstarter, you send money up to Kickstarter and I can say like, hey, I have a plan that I'm going to develop a widget. And if I develop a widget, you know, um, then you give me the money to, uh, to go and take the widget into production. Now, 
you might send your money up to Kickstarter and I might not ever produce the widget. So if I never, ever produce the widget, then you trust that Kickstarter will send you your money back. So in essence, Kickstarter is being the mediator. With a smart contract, you can eliminate that because with the use of blockchain, uh, this will allow intelligent contracts to, to basically inherit some interesting properties uh, that are distributed and immutable as well. So because uh, these properties are distributed, everyone on the network validates the output and no single entity has control over the money or the asset. So thus an individual cannot enforce the contract to release funds since others on the web will be able to identify this event and tag it as invalid. So uh, this would make the, the function of the contract, um, you know, this would cancel out your, your contract if you were trying to, to get something that wasn't there, etc. So immutability uh, on the other hand signifies that it cannot be altered once the smart contract is implemented so uh, no one can go behind your back tampering with the smart contract code or anything of the sort so besides kickstarter intelligent contractors uh, i'm sorry intelligent contracts can be applied to to a bunch of other things uh, such as insurance companies uh, they can leverage it to process claims banks can use it to offer automatic payments and etc so how exactly does a smart contract do this right so how does a smart contract play the middleman um, between two people that want to send a baseball card uh, between each other um, well uh, I'm going to give you the long and then I will give you the short of it uh, the long basically is is that a smart contract is a code that executes when the required conditions are met so let's imagine that um, that George wants to buy Clark's house right and a traditional way of executing this transaction would involve signing legal agreements that lawyers draft and the involvement of intermediaries like banks house brokers real estate authorities uh, all of this stuff to make sure you'll need document verifiers and all of that kind of stuff to make sure that nobody gets ripped off so however uh if we were to just take this agreement and uh, and take a look at it, uh, this agreement can actually be executed using a smart contract uh, containing George and Clark's understanding of the blockchain. In simple terms, the agreement deal will be something like before, uh, and it'll read something like, for example, when George pays Clark, 800 ethereum then adams will receive the ownership of clark's house once this intelligent contract agreement has been implemented it cannot be changed meaning that george can feel safe paying clark 800 ethereum for the house without using a smart contract for the scenario george and clark would have to pay lots of fees to third parties like banks house brokers and lawyers uh to to do the the middle transaction so i guess the the key 
key, the key takeaways uh, of all of this are that smart contracts are self-executing agreements uh, with terms embedded directly into the lines of code, allowing exchanges between a buyer and seller through digital transactions. Transactions are made transparent, permanent, and traceable via the smart contract. Um, because these contracts are conducted over the blockchain, they are recorded on a public database and cannot be changed. And since the blockchain processes and transactions on a smart contract, they can be sent automatically and not rely on third parties. The transactions happen provided certain predetermined conditions in the agreement are met, which means, for example, if George sends 800 Ethereum to Clark, Clark will then send the deed to his house to George. So the minute that these parameters happen, the minute that, that George sends 800 Ethereum to Clark, then immediately Clark will send the deed to George. In light of these facts, though, you know that, that uh, what smart contracts are and the problems that they solve um, and you also know that multiple blockchains support smart contracts. And however, the most common one is Ethereum. But these days, um, Solana is being used a lot uh, for this case. Polygon uh, and Matic, uh, these are also being used uh, pretty much to, to, to do the same thing, to, to transfer and to validate smart uh, smart contracts on the network. You often hear me talking about validations at MetaHedge, and one of the things that we're getting into is uh, getting into to validating on the Solana network. Well, with uh, with validations, the thing is, is that as being part of a node, you actually get paid to secure and to validate the node. So it's, it becomes a good source of income uh, for somebody with uh, with a little bit of computer knowledge, but you also happen to have uh, or have to have uh, large databases or cloud computing in essence, which is what we use at MetaHedge is cloud computing uh, for validations as well. So anyways, um, guys, uh, that's going to cover our, our smart contracts and prices for the day. Today is actually a holiday. It is Memorial Day. So um, I would say a, a conscious, I don't like saying happy Memorial Day uh, because we're supposed to be observing those that have lost their lives um, on a day like this today. But I would say um, that have a Memorial Day uh, that you enjoy with your family and remembering those those um, that have allowed that to be possible in this day. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of the week. I will be back with you next Monday. Next Monday, I'm going to do a podcast all on MetaHedge and its projects and stuff, uh, just to kind of keep holders uh, up to breast on all the new stuff, uh, all the new and exciting stuff going on at MetaHedge, um, and also give others an opportunity to hear about what's going on as well. All right, guys, take care. Enjoy the rest of the week. Week. And if you don't do anything else before the next time that we convene, then just buy the freaking dip. <laughs>